Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Will Doctor, alongside James Ledbetter, and this is the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am Week at Pebble Beach, an absolute classic, played on three of the best golf courses on the West Coast, and it's in the mix for the best TV watching of the year as far as golf is concerned. Led Josh Allen in the field this year, Mayhem's going to be out there, Dodgers superstar Mookie Betts is going to be out there, and, uh, you know, What's better than Bill Murray, huh? What's what's better than Bill Murray at Pebble Beach, Led? Yeah, Bill Murray's definitely a uh, a Pebble Beach staple. You know, we got everybody in the field from uh, schoolboy to Monday Q, even getting the nod for this week. Um, it should be uh, you know a fun week. I know um, a lot of players actually tend to skip this event. I don't know if they don't like dealing with the AMs or whatever. Last year, uh, because of COVID, they didn't have the AMs, and uh, that actually resulted in a bit of a better field. But, um, you know, it should be a good week. The weather looks okay, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, some of these AM, the you know, the events where the AMs take part in are kind of declining here over the last few years. I mean, I would say this one's a bit of a far superior pro-AM than the Desert Classic, which we saw a few weeks ago. Um, but even just in terms of all these, um, in terms of all these pro-AMs, just think about like what a normal PJ Tour player. I think they shorten them, right? They only have to do nine holes on like a regular PJ Tour week. Week, you know, when they would have the Wednesday proams. I think they only have to do nine holes now, but it used to be like a full blown process of like the eighteen hole proam Wednesday, then obviously seven eight hour Saturday Sunday. I mean, you're yeah, you're you're playing. Uh, you know, you throw a practice round on there. You're playing six rounds a week, so. Um, you know, at least this week they are going to be playing. Uh, I'm assuming they don't have proams, uh, <laughs> including obviously the whole event being a proam. But in terms of yeah, what we're looking at, it should be a good week. But let's just go over a little recap of last week at Farmers. Um, Luke List edged out Will Zalatoris in a playoff on Saturday. Luke was 80 to one. We didn't have him. Uh, we did have you know some plays on Zal. We had Zal. Taurus top 10 plus 350. Zalatoris over Finau plus 100, um, which was nice to get on that. We have breaking news to the studio. Will Zalatoris has tested positive for COVID, so he will not be in the field this week. He was actually one of the favorites. And, uh, you know, realistically, coming off back-to-back top 10s, including the Amex and Farmers heading in, he was definitely one of the looks. Um, but, yeah, so he has tested positive for COVID. He was in the final group with Jason Day. I don't know how that affects. Uh, I don't know how that affects Jason Day's uh, status for this week. I'm sure, as we know, Jason doesn't have the Ooh. best immune system out there. I didn't uh, think about that one, lad. I did yeah. not think about that one. No, but I, yeah, go ahead. You know, he's obviously you know potentially already battling a number of things coming into this week after playing uh, you know a full four days at Farmers. So heading into this week, uh, yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, they didn't have too close a contact there on the final round. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all we had for recapping that. Will, any thoughts on the farmers? Yeah. Uh, you know, Zalatoris top five plus 600 was really my only positive of the week because I was living and dying on Leishman to finish the top of the Aussie leaderboard and Jason Day ended up bringing, uh, back the game that won him the farmers in 15 and 18. And it really came down to the wire. I mean, Jason Day shot even in the final round with that unreal hole out on the Eagle on the. 14th, but uh, he finished three shots ahead of Leishman. Uh, led my mind was in the right place though, because after the round, like he just said, you know, Day was explaining that uh, he started backing out of his drives towards the end of the final round, and uh, so he barely hung in there to kill my Leishman top Aussie pick. Extremely disappointing, but I'm looking forward to this week at Pebble. Yeah, and as I was doing my research, um, you know, looking at who the top 10 favorites were, it's almost like they just copy and pasted the Farmers oh, Insurance. <laughs> they copy and pasted the Farmers Insurance leaderboard as uh, over to the favorites this week. It seems like everybody that finished kind of top 10, top 20 there are just, you know, automatically favorites. So, you know, guys like um, Justin Rose, Jason Day, who hadn't really been in the in the heat of it for a while, uh, you know, we could look at them this week, but I think they're honestly going to be a little bit overpriced. People are just going, uh, you know, last names there rather than uh, what have you done for me lately. But let's get into the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We're playing one of the most iconic golf courses in the world. 
Um, calling this an average field is being pretty nice. Uh, we only have 10 of the 50 best players in the world. It's a program, as we all know. Will, you talked about it. We're going to, you know, some guys perform well. It kind of loosens up. Some guys, it serves as more of a distraction. So we'll see who that is this week. Similar setup to American Express in which uh, three-course setup. The cut is going to be after three days or 54 holes. Um, and they're going to be playing each of the uh, three courses, Pebble Beach, Spyglass, Monterey Peninsula. And then just going on distance, uh, Pebble Beach is a 6,972-yard par 72. Spyglass Hill is a par 72, 7,041-yard. And then the final course, Monterey Peninsula Country Club is a par 71, 6,957 yards. So, you know, the one thing that jumps out is definitely these are one of the uh, – these all of these courses would be some of the shorter courses on tour uh two of those being under seven thousand yards and then just clarifying that final round is going to be on the main pebble beach golf course so uh i don't know the tv coverage if they're going to get cameras out to all of them uh it'll be interesting they were able to do it at the american express but you know obviously the let's say the majority of the coverage being on pebble beach because that's kind of the one that stands out but um we'll see how they do that um in terms of what we're going with with the uh, surfaces, Poana greens, definitely on the slower side. Uh, you know, when you just look at Pebble Beach, the average green side, green side, sorry, at uh, Pebble Beach is 3,500 square feet. Those are actually the smallest greens on tour. Uh, and like I said, with these Poana greens, they have to keep them pretty slow just because of the fact that they do have a lot of slope and they're so small. If they, you know, got them firm and fast at that small size, you know, 3,500 square feet, they would, you know, play similar to like the size of a picnic table and being able to hit. So um, in terms of what we're going to look at based on, you know, the course setup, obviously going to have to be able to hit some fairways out there because of the fact that the greens are small, you're going to be able to control it coming in. But definitely uh, something that stands out is going to be, you know, strokes gain approach with small greens, small targets out there. You're going to be need to be hitting uh, quality iron shots. Um, and then another thing that kind of jumps out is definitely going to look at around the green as well, because, you know, with super small greens, you can hit a good approach shot and still miss the green. So you're going to be have to you're going to have to be able to get that ball up and down at a pretty good clip um, in terms of, you know, course history recent history here uh daniel berger is a defending champion we have past winners that include phil mickelson five-time winner i didn't realize it was that much i was like oh he's won three times oh he's won four he's won five wow he won here in the 90s uh but other guys nick taylor ted potter jordan speed dustin johnson twice so um we have had a lot of long shots here in the past uh in terms of you know some guys that we didn't really expect some you know one-time winners first-time winners and stuff but for the most part, it seems with all these different golf courses, it seems like it doesn't necessarily, you know, fit a long guy versus a short hitter. Um, you know, it caters to pretty much everyone. A little interesting fact here in terms of the winning score. Uh, the last six years, the winning score has fallen between 17 and 19 under every single time. Um, goes to show they get pretty consistent course setup from year to year and pretty consistent weather. Uh, Will, like we talked about, um, going to be more of a long shot week. I'm going to be passing on most of the heavy favorites this week. I just don't think they have enough value or they're either, either that, or they're just a bit of an overreaction from the farmers last week. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the, the spiel. Uh, well, when you were going through the favorites, uh, anything that jumped out, of, jumped out at you? Yeah, that I didn't like a lot of them. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, it's unfortunate you know, I, when you look at, pre-Zal COVID, you know, he, he's kind of the, in my eyes, the uh, the so-called favorite going into this week. I mean, it, it, you know, Patrick Cantlay is overpriced a bit at the top, but, you know, when you look at his track record, how he's been playing, he seems to find himself in contention week after week. I'm, you know, you're about to go over him. I can't say he's, he's a bad pick this week, not in my slate, just because of the price, but yeah, when you look down at them, I mean, you have these guys like Justin Rose and, and Jason Day who just kind of popped up because they played well last week. Uh, you know, Lanto Griffin, I'm going to I'm gonna get into him in a little bit. I can't seem to understand why he um, is at 28 to 1. Um, and Maverick McNeely is going to be fun to get into today, Led. Um, I, think, I think he's a guy that everyone's been talking about a lot this week and has played unbelievable golf in California at home. So 
Uh, now looking forward to get into it, lad. Let's get into these favorites. Let's do it. All right. So for our first one, Patrick Cantley plus 750. Last two starts at Pebble for Cantley are a tied third and 11th place. He's made the cut uh, all five, five times he's played here as well. He actually tied the Pebble Beach course record with a 62 in the first round last year. Um, but, you know, the stats are fantastic so far this year for Cantlay. Uh, he's second off the tee and sixth approach in his last 50 rounds. Um, he's coming off a tied ninth at the Amex and a fourth place finish at the Century Tournament of Champions earlier this year. Um, honestly, going to be a pretty quick recap of what I think of Cantlay. This is not prime Tiger. I'm not going to take Patrick Cantlay at single digits. You know, even with the course history and recent play, I think plus 750 is a bit pricey for me. Even, you know, you go back to the last couple of weeks here with John Rahm being a, you know, plus 550, plus 600 in some of these events. And, uh, you know, if you had a John Rahm ticket last week, still wasn't able to do it. So right. um, as we know, golf is a funny game and it's, you know, it's not automatic. You have a great week and, you know, finish third. So um, at that number, Patrick Cantley plus 750. No, thank you. Yeah, I had Cantley uh, to win that birdie fest, uh, you know, shootout at the Amex a couple of weeks ago, didn't keep the pedal down after opening with 62, 68 in the desert. And, you know, it really looked like he was going to wipe the floor with the rest of the field through the halfway mark. And I think we were all going, you know, that this is incredibly Tiger-esque pending that he had won three of his last, he had won three of his last four events. Um, unfortunately that wasn't the case, but regarding Cantlay at Pebble this week, I think you'd think it's overpriced, uh, you know, with the field not being as strong this year and all the guys who are playing um, at the Saudi International. But uh, it's funny when you look on that, when you look on data golf, uh, you know, he's the best value on the on the DraftKings board for being the highest price, which never happens. It's, it, you know, it, it's that Tiger comparison. So I'm laying off on that as well, um, you know, this week and, um, I, you know, Regarding this event, led sad news that this is not going to hold the same amount of points, you know, in prior years. Yeah, well, um, I know you've been outspoken on the Saudi international situation. Um, for someone that doesn't know much about it, can you explain it to me? Uh, like, can you do like a 30 second summary for like pretend I'm five years old? What's exactly going on? So, Greg Norman put up money, and what is the well, uh, Saudi investors put up money. Okay. Uh, which is kind of the big human rights concern of the whole thing. Uh, but as far as the premier golf league goes, um, you know, that's a completely different topic. Okay. So that's yeah. completely different. Saudi, this is just the Saudi European tour event. That's all it is. Right yes. It, yes. Okay. And Norman, Norman, no, yeah, I know. We're still waiting on a lot of news. You know, Norman still has to, supposedly there's, there's a 10 event tournament coming out and they might do a shotgun start so they can fit the whole thing on broadcast. Every player is going to make at least, you know, what I, Henrik Stenson got a $30 million offer to do the thing. So uh, these packages are going to be ridiculous. They're going to be targeting, targeting the players between 30 and 50 on the world golf rankings. Of course, they already have some of the stars over there. Mm. Uh, DJ, um, and some other guys, but yeah, there, there's still a lot of, a lot of news to be released on that. We'll keep you updated. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's concerning how, how, how much the points dropped in the official world golf rankings in the FedEx cup due to the, the other event yeah. this week. Yeah. Well, so, sorry for the sidebar. So Patrick Cantley, uh, no, thank you for me. Will. No, I'm out on Cantley. I'm out on Cantley okay. this week. Okay. So let's move into our next guy, Daniel Berger at 11 to one. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, before you ask me, you know, what the chances are that someone repeats a title uh, at the Crosby clam bake, Dustin Johnson did it here in 2009, 2010. Um, and Daniel Berger is no stranger to doing the same thing. He did it at the St. Jude in 16 and 17. Uh, as far as this year is concerned uh, for Berger, he's had a pretty steady start. Fifth of the century, 20th last week at the Farmers which featured a very nice bogey-free 68. And how about Daniel, Daniel Berger's iron play over the past few weeks? Led Fourth and strokes gain approach to start the season, and you have to attribute that to Berger becoming a free agent over the offseason as far as his equipment is concerned. And how about this, Led Berger wanted the tailor-made tour-preferred MC irons that were first made in 2011. You remember those. So Such a nice iron. I feel Probably, like those would have illegal grooves on them, right? You know, I 
I think though, I think their wedges from 2000 that from that year are no longer allowed. I uh, if I remember that correctly, but he had to go searching for these on eBay and like wow. pe- people sliding into his DMS, like, Hey, I have some MCs for you. So he has like 10 of these sets, probably going to roll with those the rest of, rest of his career as Zion's used in high school. Uh, but his ball striking has been very good this year. Finished seventh at hero fifth of the century. Uh, you know, it's kind of like you give, you gave tiger, you know, his mirrors back. Mm-hmm. There we go. There we go. Or if you gave a course back, back to Sammy Sosa, you know, something like that. <laughs> I'm not going to take burger at 11 to one to win. Um, I'm hoping I can attack a matchup or picks to place with him. Uh, but, and you know, hasn't finished outside the top 10 and three starts at this event. I, I don't like 11 to one though. Led. I don't. Yeah. I hate 11 to one, even though, like you said, he has a top 10, a top five and a win here in the uh, last couple starts. Uh, it's really hard to go back to back. <laughs> from year to year, uh, you know, hasn't happened that many times on tour. Um, but 11 to one is a little bit pricey. So, um, moving into our next guy, uh, Will Zalatoris plus 1600 awful number made even more awful by the fact that he just withdrew with COVID. Um, you know, I had a full rant on why Will Zalatoris was overpriced, but let's just move into our next guy. We are uh, on to the next one with, uh, Jason day at 20 to one. Yeah, you know, Jason Day decided to show up at the Farmers, ruin my entire weekend, make me look like a fraudulent hack. Uh, led, I felt like I was back at the Sarasota Kennel Club trying to will Mark Leishman ahead of Jason Day. And the whole thing just ended by death by a thousand cuts. I mean, every damn time that Mark Leishman would get within one of Jason Day, he makes two bogeys in a row. Uh, but anyways, hats off to Day, played well at Tory. Leishman gets an off week this week. Uh, you know, absolutely brutal. After the final round, though, during his press conference, uh, led. How about this? I gotta get your. I gotta get your take on this. His press conference after the final round, he goes, uh, "If he's gonna have, no, no, when his full confidence comes back, that won him the 2015 PGA, he expects to be winning five to ten times a year." I I did see that on Twitter. I thought I didn't even know if that was like a real uh, quote, but. Uh... Yeah, just, you know, he is the eternal optimist, as we know. I remember him saying that he putted, he putts, he practices putting like five plus hours a day or something. And it was like, okay, I don't know if that's true, but if it is true, then that's probably why you withdraw from like every third event with a lower back injury. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, I, well, I saw a couple of things here. Jason Day has, which doesn't even seem possible, 10 top 15s at this event. Yeah. Uh, in the 12 times he's played it. So, like, I mean, that's just, like, dream course history. But as we know, yeah, if we get a chilly morning here, it could be WD season, and he's already got the close contact hanging over him. So, um, you know, there are a lot of people that like him this week. Some people think the 20-1 to 1 is a little bit overreaction from, uh, from last week. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, don't be fooled by 20-1, to 1, but wait until we get to these matchups. I have a huge surprise regarding Jason Day, a bit of a plot twist. We got super lucky, let him. I'm pumped. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, Jason Day passed for me um, as well, at least to win. Um, so, yeah. uh, moving into our next guy, Jordan Spieth, 20 to 1. Uh, Jordan hasn't played well so far this year by his Jesus standards. Christ. He, had, he had a top 20 at the limited field CJ Cup. That would have been like top 20 out of 70. He shot six over for four rounds in Tigers event to finish DFL. Um, not sure if he was in charge of baby duty that week or, you know, what was going on there. Uh, that was a tough week. He finished 20th in the century. And it's funny. It's like you look at these like place events and you're like, okay, 20th, 27th, 20th. <laughs> it's dead but, then there's, but then there's like <laughs> 40 guys in the field and you're like, ah, oh, that's not a very good week there. So. Um, you know, going back to last year, Jordan was actually one of the most consistent players on tour. He had 14 top 25s and nine top 10s. Not the case this year at all. His irons have been atrocious. I know it is a small sample size. It's still early in the season, but he's actually ranked outside the top 200 approach so far this year. Um, he's losing almost a shot per round with the irons, which is just, you know, going to be incredibly difficult, especially at a place like Pebble Beach that's got these smaller greens. Led, I am genuinely scared for what Cameron Cameron McCormick is doing with Jordan Spieth's golf swing. You would think 
that the goal would be to get back to where he was in 15. Uh, and he's not even close to being there. I mean, his takeaway is shockingly outside. His tempo is off. It's impossible to watch. I mean, when he missed a cut last week at the farmers, he looked lost. He looked worried. His swing looked stuck. His mind looked cluttered. It, you know, it, it, it's a real shame because this is the event that we're supposed to be able to trust Jordan Speed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fair quotes there by Doc. Um, but in terms of this week, okay, I'm looking at this week as a little bit of a get back on track week. Yes, we're going to have small greens, but, you know, you're going to have to hone in on those targets, aim small, miss small. Um, and Jordan's uh, track record at Pebble speaks for itself. Last eight starts at Pebble, T4, T7, T21, win, T20, T45, T9, T3. Um, you know, sometimes when you're struggling, getting back to a course you love can be key to getting confidence going. Um, I'm passing it on him to win at 20 to 1. That's just ridiculous given how he's played so far. Uh, we'll look at him in potentially some head-to-heads and some top 10 uh, and some top 10s here because uh, it's weird. It's like I just feel like, well, we talked about this before even the pod started uh, in terms of like course history. How much do we bring into that? But you got to have like some semblance of like your golf game right now. I mean, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth is not playing like Jordan Spieth. So to put him at 20 to one, I think is just uh, a bit a bit ridiculous. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a pass for me. Yeah, great work there, Led. And I agree. I mean, it, there's certain players where you trust at certain golf courses, Spieth at Augusta. I mean, Spieth here, you can make the argument. There's a couple courses that Jordan Spieth is just flat out addicted to. We'll see how it goes this week. I, as well, am off of Jordan Spieth. I saw a swing video of him last week, and my breakfast almost came up, lad. I mean, <laughs> come on. Come on, Jordan. Come on. Let's move on to Cameron Tringali at 25 to 1. And, lad, I'm in a bad mood or something today, so pardon me. Why do I always get stuck discussing Cameron Tringali? Once again, <laughs> Absolutely nothing against Cameron Chigali. I heard from his peers that he's one of the better guys on tour. Uh, but I don't think there is a tougher guy to bet on than Cameron Chigali. Last year was the first time he had back-to-back top 10 finishes since 2012. He's had a great start to the year. I'll give him that. $1.8 million in nine events with three top 10 finishes, few other top 20s. But, uh, you know, his previous starts at Pebble, pretty unappealing with only one top 20 finish. And, uh, there's absolutely no way I'm touching him at 25 to one um, and would need a hell of a matchup in order to take Tringali this week. But uh, other than that, I'm off Cameron Tringali at 25 to one. Yeah. Uh, you know, zero time winner on tour uh, is like almost becoming overrated because like they tweet every single like Sunday afternoon when he finishes tied fifth, he is now the most winning is, you know, he's uh, right. won the most money without a win on tour. So, uh, you know, I look for him to do that this week, extend his, uh, you know, zero win streak. Uh, so 25 to one, just get out of here. Um, moving, moving into our next guy, Justin Rose, Rosie, 25 to one. Uh, just like Jason Day, Justin is another player that really kind of came out of nowhere to contend at Farmers. Um, at least I thought that originally came out of nowhere. Um, but after going back through his results, he's actually been playing, you know, decently, especially to start the year. He's, Six for six on cuts made, highlighted by a tied 12th at the RSM and a tied six last tied sixth last week at the Farmers Insurance Open. Um, at the Farmers, you know, one thing to look at when we kind of whenever it's a guy you haven't heard in a while, all right, let's say Phil Mickelson just jumps up out of nowhere and uh, you know finishes tied fifth, and you you know, hmm, let's see how he's going to do the next week. You know, one great thing you can do now is just go into the stats and see how how he finished, uh, you know, how Justin Rose finished tied six last week. He was actually eighth tee to green. So it wasn't some fluky, you know, making everything inside 30 feet uh, putting performance. You know, he really struck it really well. Um, Stats wise, he's 35th approach and 32nd in putting so far this season at Pebble. uh, Justin hasn't played here in a couple years, but he does have a tied six and a 38th in, uh, in the couple starts he does have here. Um, You know, it would have been Zalatoris, but he's not playing. But whether it's a you know a day, a Zalatoris or a Rose, where these numbers are just coming in and they just look a little bit uh, lower than they should be, um, I just think we're getting on that kind of bandwagon too late here um, to play Justin Rose at twenty-five to one, especially you know going into Farmers last week. What would he have been fifty to one something before that kind yeah. of performance? So uh, 
you know, if the number, uh, you know, doesn't look great, it's probably because you're getting on that bandwagon too late. So Justin Rose, 25 to one is a total pass for me. I'm out as well. I mean, what we have, let's see, Jason Day, it was Zal, then, then Rose, then Lanto Griffin. We got four back injuries, four, four players with terrible backs. Oh, did Rose, did Rose have back injury? Oh, he's part of that, that, that Foley list, lad. With all oh, those back injuries, uh, yeah, yeah, he's had he's had bad, bad back injuries, mm. and and another one is Lanto Griffin, and he's our next up, twenty eight to one. I mean, you want to talk about someone who's had a roller coaster of a year before the Sony? Lanto Griffin hurt his back, supposedly trying to carry his pet lab up the stairs, and ended up with a bul- bulging disc. We we know how those stories go uh, in the world of golf. Um, we'll we'll go with Lanto's story. He barely made it to the AMX. Yeah, finished his DJ, third. DJ felt. D, DJ fell down the stairs too at uh, Augusta. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. In a house, in a house with no stairs. Um, <laughs> but, but he actually, you know, he finished, he goes on finishes third at the Amex. Pretty impressive, and he's played some decent golf otherwise so far this season. Sixth at Shriners, the pair of sixty four is where you know a couple of months removed from from that. Uh, you know, Lanto has played okay at this event in the past. One ninth place finish, one missed cut. So, you know bit of a jump ball if you're taking you know past performance into consideration and i'm definitely not taking him to win this week and i'll have um you know doubts about any other tickets um you know behind him i just i don't think there's enough consistent success there where i'm willing to take a chance i, I don't see enough consistent success there where he, sh- he should be the top 10 of favorites in the golf tournament yeah and i guess the general gist you can get from all these favorites is just uh, a broad kind of pass in terms of we're seeing this as more of a long shot week. We don't see much value of, at anyone really, you know, 25 to one and under. Um, so, you know, sticking with that rule, we have Maverick McNeil, Maverick McNeely, 28 to one. And he is actually one of the guys I am on this week. He is six off the tee and 28th approach in his last 50 rounds relative to the field. Maverick is having a great year so far. He has a runner up at the Fortnite championship. And he hasn't finished outside the top 30 in, in his last five starts. Um, he had a great week at the Farmers going till he shot a final round 75, um, which we actually love. We love the final round collapse last week um, just for what it does to his number. You know, if Maverick McNeely shoots 70, uh, you know, last on the, during the final round and finishes top five, then all of a sudden this number would have been 20, you know, 20 to one, 22 to one. But now we're able to get this at 28 to 1 um, because of that kind of uh, disastrous finish. So might as well just run with it. Um, in terms of, you know, one of the things we're looking at, I was going back to last week's stats for uh, Maverick. He has been driving it pretty good all year till last week. He only hit 42% of the fairways at Torrey Pines. You know, pretty good effort for him to, uh, to play well there last, last week uh, with, uh, you know, spraying it a little bit. But in terms of the way these courses are going to play, uh, it's going to be kind of similar to Wiley where you can only, you know, the, you can only take what the course gives you. Right. So sometimes you're going to have to hybrid off the tee. Sometimes you have to three wood off the tee. You're only going to be hit it to kind of certain spots. Um, so for someone who had a kind of a rough week with the driver, I think that kind of plays in uh, nicely in terms of, I don't think the squirrely driver will be too much of an issue if, especially if you're hitting kind of a lot of layup shots here. Um, course history, no one has much better course history than uh, Maverick McNeely. He has a tied fifth year in 2020 and a runner-up in 2021. So of the favorites, I love Maverick McNeely this week at 28-1. to 1. Okay, led on to Seamus Power at 28-1. to 1, And I w- was frequently playing Power at the beginning of this year. We hit his top 20 ticket at plus 110 uh, for the Sony and I mean, what a year this guy's had, um, you know, a, a ton of top 20 finishes, Bermuda, Mayakoba, fourth, the RSM, uh, you know, 15th, the century, third, the Sony uh, really come around for a guy that was, uh, you know, strictly on Mon- on the Monday Q grind last year. Um, as far as this week is concerned, um, I'm off of him this week. Um, you know, in, in four attempts at the pebble, it's been 39th miscut 38th miscut. Um, he's a bit overpriced in my opinion. I saw he's overpriced in the DraftKings as well. We'll take a bit of a rest from Seamus. Um, I'm just not feeling him this week. What about you, Lud? Yeah. And 
I'm not saying we need to take guys coming off, you know, five missed cuts in a row, but for a guy who's had six top 15s in his last seven starts, I just feel like we'd be getting on the bandwagon too late. Um, so same, same as power at 28 to one is going to be a pass for me, but uh, Will, let's get into those uh, head to heads. Yeah, I'll start it off here. Uh, Lucas Glover over Matt Jones at minus 105. And I said this going to last week as Matt Jones was in our favorites discussion for the farmer's insurance somehow. But we saw Matt Jones hit his stride for a few tournaments in Europe and then finished third at the tournament champions. Um, and all of a sudden his stock goes way up. Then he misses his next two cuts, uh, which was his fourth missed cut in his last five events. And that's why I'm fading. That's why I love fading him this week against Lucas Glover. I mean, the results have been okay for Glover this year. Finished fifth to Sony a couple weeks ago. Uh, backed that up with a 33rd place finish at the Amex, which was his last start since he took off uh, for the Farmers. But we've got a very well-rested Glover this week. Um, and what I love is that he's only missed one cut this season uh, back at the RSM to end the fall. And ultimately... You know, what you frequently question with Glover is his putting and the happiness level of his wife, Krista. I mean, that's just the bottom line here. The putting is going to be fine. I'm happy to tell you that he's picked up strokes on the greens in three of his last four events. And the same thing with Krista. I mean, we all remember back in 19, Glover shoots 78 and she almost beats the shit out of him. Um, I'm forecasting 0% chance of that happening this week. Led, what chick doesn't like Pebble Beach? Okay. Yeah, She's, it's tough to, yeah. you know. Those views can be pretty calming, uh, you know, looking out at the uh, Pacific there. Yeah, she's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. The kids are going to be fine. Here's the bottom line. Matt Jones is a cut-missing machine, and Glover's having uh, a great year as far as the ball striking is concerned. And he has a solid, solid record at Pebble Beach. I love Lucas Glover over Matt Jones at minus 105. Next up, Jason Day. Here we go for Cameron Tringali at minus 110. Led, I'm absolutely shocked that we got this matchup. I was not expecting to get a day versus Tringali matchup, but this is an absolute gift from the golf gods. If there is one guy I would take Jason Day to beat this week, it's Cameron Tringali. I told you in the favorites that Jason Day's winning price is all jacked up because it is. But what did I tell you about Cameron Tringali? Okay, before last year, no top 10, no back to back top 10 finishes since 2012 and Jason day is a guy, like I said, who's going for a seventh straight top 20 at this golf tournament. And day has uh, not only performed well here um, at the pro-am, but came 21st at the U S open last year, no, no, no 2019 um, at Pebble beach. So my second head to head is going to be Jason day over Cameron Tringali at minus one, 110. Yeah, go ahead. The one thing I will say, you know, you have to almost look at it as a, uh, you know, it's Jason day, versus uh tringali and omicron right because of that yeah. close contact so you know it's a little bit of a 2v1 but you know jason day is playing well as late and a chilly morning on thursday lad you and me both know days out of there so we'll be crossing our fingers hopefully no tv screens no ipad screens no no computer screens are 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 smashed in that case yeah. because they would so uh, we're putting some trust in Jason there this week. Got to get it done against Tringali. We got one more for you uh, in the head-to-heads. Uh, Aaron Rye over Christian Bazudin how to plus 105. How about this guy, Aaron Rye? Huh? Two-glove Aaron Rye. Can you believe that? Did he just start that last week, or he's been doing that? No, I think that's his thing. He's two gloves, and he's uh, iron head covers. So he's just completely no. – <laughs> no, 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 no. You're kidding. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is. He, uh, oh, that's kind of his calling card. Okay, um, well, you know what? We'll get we'll give him the pass for that. I mean, get, what do you? Well, what do you think the average handicap is of a person that uh, that is deploying two gloves and iron covers? I'd say the average handicap is probably between twenty and thirty. So yeah, he's definitely uh, helping uh, helping with that kind of community. I was gonna say you got to start at twenty. I mean that that's uh, <laughs> that's absurd. I gotta go look up if Golf uh, WRX did a little deal on that. They had to have picked up on that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Five top 20 finishes in his last six starts with his only missed cut in the last four months coming at the Sony. And let me tell you, Rye is no stranger to these types of championship golf courses. I mean, you know, remember, Rye secured his card this year after finishing 18th at WGC in Mexico and then 19th at the Open Championship. And uh, here's the icing on the cake for, for Rye over Bazunat. I love the way that Aaron Rye's putting has improved once the tour got to California. 
because when Rye was having his rough patch in the fall, it was really his putting that was just absolutely horrendous. Last two events, it's really come around. My third head-to-head, Aaron Rye over Christian Bezudenhout at plus 105. So just recapping here in my matchups, Lucas Glove over Matt Jones at minus 105, Jason Day over Cameron Tringali at minus 110, and Aaron Rye over Christian Bezudenhout at plus 105. And Will, I am going to be copy and pasting that uh, Rye over Bazunhoit because my Zalatoris bet was scrapped because of COVID. So dare I say Rye or die this week Let's um, go. For, the, for that head-to-head. But moving into my head-to-heads, I'm going with Mito Pereira over Lanto Griffin plus 110. And we're going head-to-head on these stats. Mito off the tee, 10th. Lanto, Gr- Lanto Griffin off the tee, 57th. Mito... Uh, strokes gained approach 12th Lanto 25th um, so clearly Mito the better ball striker there um, Lanto does have a bit of an edge in the putting uh, category Lanto being 35th and Mito being 71st like we always say with these uh, with these uh, you know Poiana greens they can be a bit of an equalizer because they you know that tendency to get pretty bumpy especially late in the afternoon where I plan on uh, Mito being playing there on the weekend um course history the only thing that kind of jumps out is lanto having a top 10 here but the fact that i'm getting uh mito Pereira at plus money here is just tough to pass up for my first head-to-head and then for my next one jordan spieth over samus power minus 110 jordan's top 10 ticket was also crazy overpriced based on his recent performance you know as we said jordan was 20 to 1 to win and uh plus 175 top 10 no thank you especially the way uh jordan's been playing as of late but we are heading back to Pebble. Jordan Spieth at Pebble Beach is like LSU at Death Valley. Go Tigers. And uh, I just think Samus is, you know, Samus, when you just look at their, if you, you know, remove names, Samus is a hotter, hotter player. He's been definitely playing better than Jordan as of late. But uh, I think uh, Pebble Beach will be a great opportunity for Jordan to get back on track this week. As we talked about with Jordan's course history, the guy could finish top 10 here with his eyes closed based on Samus, you know, in four sites in four starts has two missed cuts and two tied 38s, nothing to, you know, write home about. So, you know, the one thing I do like about Jordan, it's not like a, through the bag, everything's a disaster. It's just the irons are awful. Right. So if you can get the irons back on track, um, you know, a little celebrity pro-am, you know, I, I'd assume he's paired with Jayco and they, uh, they, kinda, yeah. they do have that, uh, you know, um, you know, that friendship that uh, they've had for a while there. So maybe Jake Owen can get the short irons back on track for Jordan this week. So for my two head-to-heads, Mito Pereira over Lanto Griffin, plus 110, and Jordan Spieth over Samus Power, minus 110. And then also, Christian Bezudenhoit, sorry, Aaron Rye over Christian Bezudenhoit. What was that number again, Will? Plus 105 there, Led. <clears throat> plus 105. Love it. Love it. Into our picks to place. We're going to start off with Maverick McNeely, top 20 at plus 120. Uh, and McNeely is going to be an absolute weapon for us this week. He's played great here in the past two years. A couple top five finishes, as Led was saying. And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to ramble, you know, too much about, you know, it, it, what he's done here in years past. But here's a great little nugget from Justin Ray. Maverick McNeely, 99 under par. And PGA Tour events in California the last three seasons, tied with Patrick Cantlay as the best in that span. So, guys wow. going deep on the West Coast, absolutely kills it at home, lad. I mean, not even under par. Owns- and, and get this, lad, if he shot 75 in the final round last week, he was technically the best player in California before the final round wow. last week. You know, and in terms of, you know, just theories here, um, his dad is the state shareholder, I believe, in, uh, in Dell. Is there any way, you know, we're getting dark web here and he uh, is getting access to those pin sheets before anyone else on the West Coast swing? I'm trying to think of uh, or is just more comfortable there in, uh, you know, in Cali. Well, no, no, I, I think you're on to something there. I, I think I think him and Kanger are, are, are getting those those pin <laughs> sheets ahead of time. I mean, has she come out hot this year or what or what led? I'm not yes. in love with 28 to one for the winning score. That's why. I like the top 20 at plus 110. I implore you to shop around. But you know, like I said, a few weeks ago, we saw his girlfriend, uh, Danielle Kang, signing Golf Digest covers that she was featured in at the Emerson's in Orlando Airport after she won the Tournament of Champions. And I think Maverick McNeely could be doing the same thing after this weekend. Uh, and you know, according, you- to a, according to a closed source at the airport, uh, 
they use a different word than signing. They actually were calling it vandalizing. Oh. <laughs> vandalizing yeah. those magazines. <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess if, yeah, you, you got to know that Golf Digest already has the cover ready to print if he wins because I got a feeling McNeely and Kang, they're about to do the whole Jay-Z, Beyonce thing. Uh, you know, the, the PGA Tour needs it. LPGA Tour needs it. How could you blame them? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. both class acts, I guess, in some regard. But in all seriousness, he's surrounding himself with winners. You know, you, you got to respect that. Always a great mm-hmm. thing, and he's showing it this year. Second at the Fortinet, back-to-back top 20 finishes at the Mayakoba in Houston. Um, and, and, you know, last week would have finished a lot better, 75, as Lud said. But 18th uh, in the FedEx Cup standings. And like I said, you know, you, you have to love where McNeely's game's at. So my first, my first pick to place is Maverick McNeely, top 20 at plus 120. Uh, my second one, Kevin Streelman, uh, top 20 at plus 180. I, you know, him and our guy, Larry Fitz, Fitzgerald, are just absolute weapons in this event year after year. What a funny combo, Len, huh? You got Streelman yeah. with the Wilson hat, you know, the, you know, the glasses tucked in the back of his head and then from the greatest wide receivers of all time. No, it's good stuff. But uh, you're going to have to show a little faith in my guy, Kevin Streelman, this week because – if you just look at his results, he's done absolutely nothing in 2022. His best finish was T31 at Sanderson Farm Championship at the very first event of the year. But let me tell you something. He putted absolutely horrible, which led to finishing 39th, but hit the ball very well across the board for the first time since mid-August. And uh, he's never officially won this tournament. Him and Larry have won the Pro-Am a couple times, last one being in 2018. Uh, and he's racked up a couple handfuls of top 20 finishes here over the years. In fact, him and Jason day, our guy, Jason day, only two players in the field to finish top 20 here in each of the last six years. Wow. And that, and that, uh, you know, combo of, uh, you know, Strillman and uh, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, representing some of the most prestigious universities, obviously Duke with Kevin Strillman, university of Phoenix with uh, Larry Fitzgerald. So, uh, you know, it could be an exciting duo to watch this week huge huge and uh so streelman top 20 plus 180 that's my second um uh pick to place last one here tom hoagie top 40 at plus 110 now i want to say tom hoagie has had a fantastic start to the season but we're already a quarter way through the season i think tom hoagie is proving that he's here to stay on the pga tour absolutely world-class ball striker uh, he's ranked sixth in strokes gain approach on the year. He has two top 10 finishes in the last four starts. And he hasn't even rolled the rock half decent, half decent. Now, as far as Hoagie's, you know, performed at Pebble um, in the past, he had, you know, fantastic 12th place finish at this event last year. Also with the U.S. Open was here in 2019, he made the cut and finished 41st. So, this one will be in the race for a best bet this week. I love Tom Hoagie top 40 at plus 110. So just going back, um, reviewing picks to place for me, Maverick McNeely top 20 at plus 120, Kevin Schulman top 20 at plus 180, and Tom Hoagie top 40 at plus 110. Led, what do you got? Yeah, and just, you know, COVID just absolutely wiping out my bets this week, but managed to still have a couple. Uh, we have, for my picks to place, Mito Pereira top 10 plus 350. You're getting one of the best ball strikers on tour, 10th off the tee, 12th approach. And I think we've held out on Mito long enough. You know, when you think of a guys, you know, guys that are, you know, overvalued this week, Mito is not one of them. Um, even going back to, uh, to, you know, last fall, or I guess that would have been, you know, even during the summer, Mito Pereira, he was, you know, he was sometimes 18 to one, 22 to one to win golf tournaments. Now that thing's inflated up to, uh, you know, 50 to one uh, range for someone like Mito. And I think this is the time to jump on it. Um, he's been the epitome of consistency so far this year, top thirties and four of his last five starts. And I think with the weaker field, he's more than capable of a top 10. So um, for my first one, it's Mito Pereira, top 10 plus 350. My next one, Kyle Stanley, top 40 plus 230. Now, if you go and look at his stats, yikes, nothing to see here. Kyle has only made three cuts in his eight starts this year. His best finish was a tied 27th at the Sony Open. 
which we kind of like in terms of course comps. Um, you know, Y is going to be somewhat similar to these three shorter golf courses, positional off the tee, and then go, uh, you know, start attacking on your second shots. Um, funny enough, like he's these these stats are I'll probably have the biggest disparity between like results and uh, and how he and how he's played. Uh, Kyle is eighth off the tee and fourth approach in his last fifty rounds relative to the field. He's hitting over seventy percent of the fairways. Now, if I just go off those stats, I would, you know, you go back through his results and expect him to have made like seven of eight of the cuts and, you know, a couple top 10, maybe a couple top 20s. Um, He actually has uh, eight of his past 10 rounds or even 70 or better. But the problem is he's had a couple blow up rounds. We throw on a 78 and 80 that have been mixed in there. And, uh, you know, if he can get away from obviously, obviously those big numbers. I just, you know, see this top 40 number as uh, pretty juicy. Um, you know, looking at his stats, eighth off the tee, fourth approach, he's pretty much a good putting week away from, you know, contending or being right in there. So I absolutely love this week. Uh, Kyle Stanley, top 40, plus 230, and Mito Pereira, top 10, plus 350. And Will, my dark horse is a similar name by the name of Kyle Stanley. He is 200 to one, absolute long shot bomb here. Um but honestly, I just, you know, of all the things I said, of all the bets I have this week, I really do like this one. Obviously, you know, we would uh, a bit of a long shot here. But like I said, eight of his past 10 rounds, seven year better, um, you know, hasn't exactly made the cuts. This is definitely a high variance play. But when you just look at eight off the tee, fourth approach, over 70 percent of the fairways, you know, like I just stated in the last one, he's a good putting week away from contending here. And, you know, one of the things you like as uh, the guy, he's, you know, it's 200 to one, the people that are priced next to him, you know, very few of them have, you know, a PJ tour win, or at least a PJ tour win the last couple of years, uh, Kyle Stanley having two of, you know, two wins in the last four or five years here. So um, definitely, you know, when you look at him this week, obviously not one of the favorites that far out, but you know, I think he has the pedigree and has the, you know, the ball striking stats to warrant kind of a, a long shot, uh, bomb here for our, for our dark horse i love it like great work and listen my dark horse is pretty solid to start the year three and two to start the year i hit zal top five plus 600 last week unfortunately patrick rogers threw up all over himself all over himself so one and one at the farmer's insurance as far as dark horses are concerned here we go for the pebble dark horses first one paul barjon top 40 plus 330 and i took my guy paul barjon as a dark horse two weeks ago at the american express and boy did he perform you know everyone thought i was insane for making that pick he goes out there and fires 66 67 65 says hello world but uh was in the final round final group on sunday unfortunately dropped back to 10th but what a confidence booster for paul barjon who gained his car through the corn Ferry tour last year after that unbelievable win in huntsville I just talked about Barjon's old teammate from TCU, Tom Hoagie, being a class ball striker. But let me tell you, you're not going to find many, many better drivers on the PGA Tour than Paul Barjon. He has a ton of experience around these three golf courses from back in his days playing the illustrious Carmel Cup year after year at TCU. Um, I'm predicting a leaderboard full of frogs. My first dark horse, Paul Barjon, top 40 at plus 330. My second one here is going to be Austin Eckroat. Top 20 at plus 500. Another younger guy that has a ton of experience around Pebble Beach from his college days, not only at the Carmel Cup, but also competed in 2019 U.S. Open. Um, and this guy knows how to go low around this track, especially Pebble. Um, I'm not sure. I need to confirm. I don't think – I think the Carmel Cup is only played at Pebble Beach. I don't think they play the other two courses, but I need to confirm. But anyways, Road fired a final round 65 at Pebble uh, his last year at the Carmel Cup in 2019. And they don't set up that golf course much different from how it's played on tour. Uh, so a ton of great memories here. Unlike Barjon, though, Ekro doesn't have his PGA Tour card yet. And we don't have too many results to go off of this year. He's only made two starts, 22nd in Bermuda, and then a miscut at the Farmers last week. And his ball striking, as of late, has been near perfect. I mean, if he hits the ball like he has – uh, the last few weeks and doesn't putt like an absolute idiot. Austin Eckroat could sneaky, you know, he's going to sneak up on, on, on everyone, could win this golf tournament. And if you think after seeing his teammate Victor Holland get his third win in three months last week in Dubai, uh, 
Um, you know, I think Eckrod has had enough of the corn fairy life, and he wants to get on that jet life with his boys, uh, Hovland and Wolf Lab. What do you think? Love it. Love it. Yeah, so uh, reviewing my dark horses, Paul Barjon, top 40, plus 330, and then Austin Eckrod, Top twenty plus five hundred. Let, let's uh, let's hear those winners this week for. Uh, All right, Apple. for my picks this week, I am taking Maverick McNeely, who I've talked about earlier at twenty eight to one. Um, in terms of course history, trending in the right direction. Fifth year in twenty twenty, runner up in twenty twenty one. If he keeps improving on that, that could be a win this week. Um, like I said, bit of a disastrous final round last week at the farmers, which we actually love because, uh, you know, I think his number is a little more inflated than it would have been. Um, and then he's just been, you know, incredibly consistent six off the tee, 28th approach, uh, you know, the way he strikes it, I don't think he needs to have a career career tournament putting, uh, putting to win here. But in terms of, uh, you know, like we said, the one thing you're a little hesitant with is he was a little, you know, squirrely with the driver uh, last week at Farmers, but should be able to pretty much, you know, hit some stingers out there this week, hit some, uh, you know, a lot of like utility clubs off the tee on all these, you know, three different courses. Um, bit of a marathon, obviously, switching courses every day. So I like Maverick McNeely, 28 to 1. And then for my next one, Mito Pereira, 50 to 1. And, you know, like we said, this guy was at 22 to one uh, last year. And the fact that we're being able to double up on that now, he's a three-time Corn Ferry Tour winner. Uh, and in terms of how he's been playing this year, third place at Fortinet, tied third at the Olympics, tied fifth at the Barbasol, tied sixth at the 3M. Those are all in kind of the last six months here. Um, and he's coming off a solid top 30 last week at the Farmers. No course history. He hasn't played this tournament before, but, uh, you know, he's such a good ball striker. I'm not too worried about that. So for my two picks to win this week maverick mcneely 28 to 1 mito pereira 50 to 1 okay my two winners this week we'll start with michael thompson at 25 to 1 led you see how strong this guy's beer game is lately it's elite he's uh he's well on his way to get a gillette uh sponsorship <laughs> grew it out for the fedex cup playoffs last year didn't even make the playoffs but his wife liked it so he kept it <laughs> love it so the beers yeah you know, the beard's funny. Hey, listen, maybe our guy, Lucas Glover, needs to try that out, huh? Get a little scruff for Krista going. Huh? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. In all seriousness, he's, he's, you know, Michael Thompson has been playing incredible uh, this year. Already has three top 20 finishes in eight events so far this year. He's played fantastic. Um, uh, he played fantastic around Torrey Pines last week. And he's he's putting great around the, around the Poe Greens, uh, around California. To put a cherry on top. He's had you know, he's had some some impressive finishes over the years at Pebble. Had a top ten finish here in 2019. Um, you know, so my first winner is going to be Michael Thompson, 25 to one. My second winner, Matthew Fitzpatrick, at 28 to one. And everyone remembers what happened to Matthew Fitzpatrick at his last start at the Pebble Beach Pro Am. I mean, this guy was absolutely crushing it through three rounds, and then pukes all over himself in the final <laughs> round shooting 78 but we love that like you just said with mcneely you know we we love that we love how you know it didn't end well for him uh because even more motivation for this year like what do you got so the only concern i was actually looking at fitzpatrick as a play the only concern i have is i do not believe he has a start since november is that correct correct this is his first what? start in two months European or PGA. He just he just, yeah. just took a little break here. Yeah. Yeah. Has not played and before then really wasn't playing that great. Um, yeah. You know, his last start was Mayakoba. I think finished 68th or somewhere. Who knows what. Uh, but, you know. Once again, though, once again, let's take advantage of that kind of juice number. Yeah. If he played Farmers last week, finished tied seventh, then it's all of a sudden, you know, you can't play this, this thing. So, um, you know, if he has the stats to back it up, send it. Yeah, so absolutely agree. He had this event in the bag in 2019, and prior to that, he had just finished 12th here at the U.S. Open. So I'm, I'm going to take a gamble um, on Fitzpatrick this week uh, at 28-1. to 1. My two winners, Michael Thompson at 25-1 to 1 and Matthew Fitzpatrick at 28-1. to 1. Love it, love it. And then getting into our DraftKings lineup, um, I am going to – I believe we're tied now, right? Yeah, I, yeah, 2-2. to two. Last – Okay. Two to two so, going to Pebble. 
Okay. Okay. So I'm going to take the defending champion, Daniel Berger. I'm going to take Jordan Spieth. I'm going to take Mito Pereira. I'm going to take the Masters champion, Charles Schwartzel. I'm going to take the long shot I absolutely love this week, Kyle Stanley. And then, you know, a bit of a, you know, very, one of the very dark horses, Luke Donald, right? Um, has actually played decently in the tournaments he's gotten into the, over the last kind of, you know, uh, 12 to 18 months. But, you know, in, in terms of core setup, this is just dream scenario for the, uh, you know, the short knocker himself, Luke Donald. So that is my lineup. So into my lineup uh, for this week, and a quick note, I've been all over Seamus Power uh, from the start of the year as far as my lineup. As far as my lineups are concerned, I see him priced at 94000 this week, way too much. Um, and my guy 9400 McNe- $9, sorry. Um, and my guy McNeely is not cheap at all this week either. So, um, And I'm going to have to go with him as leader in my pack. So here we go. I'm going to have Maverick McNeely. I'm going to have Matthew Fitzpatrick, Tom Hoagie, um, Denny McCarthy, who – that this guy's putting. I mean, he needs to give Zal a putting lesson. Oh my God. I, I think Zal, I think he might need multiple. Zal's not one putting lesson away, it doesn't look like. <laughs> no, no. Full restructure. <laughs> that putt that putt to win was dude. He almost he almost missed face. <laughs> uh, it was way too far inside, first off. I know he just yanked that thing back and then it comes what straight off the heel. And then he no, straight off the toe. The and toe looks the at his toe. hat. He's like, can't believe that thing turned. It's like man it's tough though because you know for listeners uh when you're playing a breaking putt right you can miss it left right if it's a right to left putt you can miss it left either because you pull it or because he doesn't have enough speed technically he probably his face was square enough but he just missed hit the putt to where it kind of like died off so if he would have hit the putt more solid it would have got in or if he hit the putt a little harder would have gone in so man he was close to cashing that but uh you know, I think he's a guy, and like I talked about this week before Zal got, um, sorry, before Zal uh, got, got COVID, COVID. Um, he was he's one of the he's one of the few guys on tour who can putt mediocre and win. You know, so that's actually one of the reasons why I was, even though sixteen to one is just ridiculously overpriced, looking at him in some plays. Um, but will sorry. Sorry to go off on a tangent there. Yeah, Can you no. just read off your full lineup? Yeah, I, I had two. But yeah, it's you know, no sweat at all. I, so McNeely, uh, Maverick McNeely, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Tom Hoagie, Denny McCarthy, Paul Barjon, and my caboose this week's going to be Minwoo Lee, who has played unbelievable over in Europe. Uh, he's got a big interest an entrance coming uh, to the United States here pretty soon. Yeah, the Scottish Open champion, yeah. I, uh, I believe. Um yeah, well, that's a you know solid lineup. Let's see uh, who can take the leg up this week. But moving into um, our best bets, um, finally got on the board last week with a uh, you know Zalator's top ten plus three fifty. Um, this week going with the you know the hot hand again, Maverick McNeely top ten plus two fifty, and uh, he's got all the stats to back it up. Like we already said earlier, six off the tee, twenty eighth approach. Fifth year in 2020, runner up in 2021. You know, everything's leaning towards, uh, you know, Maverick, uh, you know, getting on the board here uh, for his first tour win. Uh, you know, when you think of guys like Scotty Scheffler and other guys who haven't won, it's almost like Maverick needs to win pretty soon before it becomes a thing of how you haven't won. You know, you don't want to turn into Tringali here where you're, uh, you know, turning 30 and, you know, you possess all the talent in the world, but you just haven't been able to put it all together one week. So, you know, I think this could be the week that Maverick does it. Uh, so Maverick McNeely um, to win. And, but for my best bet, it's Maverick McNeely top 10 plus 250. Yeah. My best bet uh, for this week is going to be Jason day over Cameron Tringali at minus 110. Uh, it's crazy how, you know, I went from, um, you know, before the, the matchups came out was, was not thinking I was going to put anything on Jason day this week ends up coming out as my best bet. Um, and, you know, like I said, if there's, you know, one guy that I would take Jason day to beat this week, and it's going to be Cameron Tringali, um, you know, going for a seventh straight top 20 at this golf tournament. It's tough to find anyone else who's outperformed day here. So uh, my best bet is going to be Cameron or Jason day over Cameron Tringali at minus 110 and just to round off the pod uh let i'll start my winning score prediction i'm gonna go 14 under 
I'm going to go 1400 wow. bit lower than last yeah. week. Yeah. You, you've overshot it the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I am three on three and oh in that, uh, in that matchup. Um, but the average winning score has been between 17 and 19 under the last six years. I'm going to roll with that. I'm going to take 18 under and hope to, uh, <laughs> hope to keep it going. All right, Led. Well, hey, that'll do it for the Golf Preview Podcast here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Uh, Will Doctor alongside James Ledbetter. Led, great work today, um, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Sounds good.